0: So Money episode, Kari Skogland, director, Handmaid's Tale, a replay. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Did you know only 7% of film directors in the U.S. are women? Well, that gap is hopefully narrowing as women in the movie industry and everywhere are demanding equal pay, equal treatment, and equal opportunities. Our next guest is a rising star named by Hollywood Reporter as one of its 10 directors to watch. Welcome to So Money, everyone. I'm Farnish Tarabi. Today, we're welcoming Kari Skogland to the show. She is an award-winning director and producer known for her contributions to amazing popular shows like The Handmaid's Tale. The Walking Dead, The Americans, and House of Cards. You might've heard of a few of these or all of them. In fact, The Handmaid's Tale season two premieres today. So it's a special day for Kari. She's a champion for women in the movie industry. She is a big believer in sweat equity, taking risks, reinventing yourself, and being smart with your money. But how does all that actually play out in the real world, in Kari's life? And what is a big ticket purchase that she is saving up for these days? Here's Kari Skoglund. Kari Skoglund, welcome to So Money. Great to have you on on Handmaid's Tale Season 2 Day. Thank you
1: very much. I'm really looking forward to it.
0: I know my husband is really looking forward to watching season two, and he was so excited to know that I was interviewing you as someone who has been following Handmaid's Tale since season one. He's been encouraging me to watch. Uh, I will say I have yet to see it. Uh, Today is season two, will be released on Hulu. Uh, It is one of your latest productions, and you're actually, I believe, directing four episodes in the new season?
1: I am, yeah. Uh, I'm uh, very thrilled to be part of the second season. I did the finale last year or the first season. And then, um, I guess, uh, I got enough of it right that they asked me to come back, which was a, a big thrill. Uh, working with Lizzie is, um, uh, and Bruce, uh, is, well, the entire team is fantastic. So, uh, it's the most supportive, creative, um, exhilarating, uh, project I think I've ever been
0: on. Wow. And that's saying a lot because you've worked on a, many a, a phenomenal projects. And just to share with v- listeners in case they're not familiar with Handmaid's Tale or they've heard a little bit about it, but from what I understand, the premise is that is a future world, maybe not so far in the, in the future, but it's a world where a religious group takes over the government. There is a fertility crisis as well. Women who are fertile become essentially slaves to wealthy couples who want to have children. They become the handmaids. I, Kari, I think part of the reason why I have been delaying watching the series is because I feel it will haunt me in my sleep. It is not unimaginable the world that Margaret Atwood created, and uh, she was the is the author of the book upon which the series is created. Why do you think it's important for people to watch this show, and why are you so passionate about this project?
1: Uh well, when we were, uh, funny enough, uh, I was working on a project in uh, New York. Called the Punisher, which is uh, Marvel, and um, right around the time that H- Hillary Clinton did not win the presidency, and um, then I went from there to uh, Handmaid's Tale. And in Handmaid's Tale, while we were shooting this, you know, slightly dystopian perspective of the planet, in was coming um, a hugely controversial presidency uh, affecting the world and saying things that, Echoed the world that we were portraying, uh, and one could could kind of feel the synergy of if there's you know if 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 this therefore that, and so given that the world of Handmade is not in the distant future, it's you know it's not um, given a year particularly, but it's in the near future. We'll call it. Um, uh, we were eerily haunted by the, this sort of, um, the rhetoric, you know, kind of echoing what we were portraying, what Bruce was writing and, uh, and what, what Margaret had written. So as things were happening in the U S where, um, suddenly, you know, women were picking up on this and they were dressing like handmaids and going to um, to courtrooms where they felt injustices were being handed down to women or, uh, I don't know, we saw, um, you know, various things in the press that ha- that were not related to the show, but uh, directly as it all unfolded and, and was, um, you know, came out uh, in, I guess, April or May of last year, uh, people really picked up on it. And then the Me Too movement happened. It seemed to be, you know, inextricably linked to this this, um, reality that, that, um, you know, the handmaid tale was kind of alluding to. So if, you know, if timing is everything, I suppose it was the perfect storm. And perhaps, um, it's just interesting. I mean, I don't know what would have happened had Clinton won. Um, perhaps we wouldn't have had the movement the way we have it now. I don't know. Maybe the backlash wouldn't have been quite so obvious. So, in any case um uh it was it has been really thrilling to just be a part of the team, and it really is a wonderful team across the board so they're so you know getting up and going to work every day was always a joy of of what new wonderful challenge were we gonna be facing, and that the the season two is really spectacular i have to say i can't say more than that but
0: <laughs> of course not we want people to go and watch and this is this I, I i am my interest is so peaked it's going to happen i will be uh, tuning in I am, i'm i'm kind of a late a late bloomer a late adopter to series i was late to mad men i was late to uh breaking bad but then once i'm in it i'm in it for the for the long haul you mentioned you know. Uh, but we're living in a in sort of a a new age, and a lot of that has to do with the election and the political tone, and Hillary not getting elected as a female in a male dominated industry. When you get up in the morning and go to work now, how has what how has your purpose changed at all, if at all, or your perspective? Especially given that there is now so much more movement, good movement, um, towards. Pay pay equity and opportunity equity for women, and not just film, but everywhere. Do you feel a responsibility to sort of pick projects that speak to this, or to be more more vocal as you are on this podcast? Is that part of now your renewed uh, mission as a as a leader in this space?
1: I don't think it ever wasn't part of what I do. Uh, Way back when I started in commercials, you know, I started. in beer commercials, actually, well, like part of what I did was beer commercials and cars and sort of very masculine-dominated uh, arenas. And um, I always felt compelled, but not from uh, just from an uh, authenticity place, to portray women uh, as they are, or as much as I possibly could, and would bristle against uh, any any over-sexualization uh, and often, by the way, the actresses will agree that they, they want to get paid. They want to, you know, and they comply. So it's a little like being mother Teresa trying to, you know, say, no, 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 you should not do that. That's not, that's not what we should be doing. So, you know, people have their own choices and they can decide whether they want to be portrayed a certain, you know, wear certain skimpy things and, and whatever be portrayed a certain way. So I'm not there to uh, to either moralize or judge, but I am there, I suppose, to offer alternatives. Um, I think, uh, you know, in the early days, um, really up until very, very recently, I would say uh, the optics of being a female in this very male-dominated business that catered caters, um, although it's, I, I think, changing, but caters to a male um, uh, viewership, whether it be feature television, the, the focus has always been on, on male, even down to, you know, the protagonists are generally male with a female as the sidekick uh, or any person of diversity as the sidekick to the white male lead. And that was just taken for granted and nobody really thought differently and they certainly didn't think that you could sell it which at the end of the day all of these decisions are econo- you know economically based <clears throat> they certainly didn't think you could sell a project that had um, certainly a female yeah we checked the boxes female diversity is probably the worst combination um, you know in those days they couldn't figure out how to how to even wrap their head around it. Today, what's exciting, and with wonderful projects like Black Panther and A Wrinkle in Time, where we are seeing um, diversity, gender diversity, uh, ethnic diversity, and kind of becoming suddenly colorblind, I think it's a very exciting time for the stories. What, what, What I am as if not more excited about And this is back to the hard sell. (laughs) Is I am really interested in looking at history and historical stories now from a new lens, where it isn't the white man's story so much. Now it's who else was in the room? Well, all Mm. my, discover that if you look at some of the great stories of history, there women were there, obviously, and very much a part of the um, uh, the outcome, good, good and bad. Uh, So i would love us to now start in looking back as much as forward and saying so what if we looked at that story again world war 2 or vietnam or you know name name uh, um you know any historical event and and looked at it from a new lens which is what was what were the females doing what what, what was that story i think we will find that history has a whole new rich um World to tap into, which, by the way, informs us, you know, like any history, informs us of our future as well. Cautionary tales in some case, um, tales of success, and of course, you know, Handmaid is a cautionary tale. So I I think uh, constantly looking at history is important for us to inform our cultural space for the future um, as well as our moral, you know, our, our morality and our ethical um, norms, you know, because things change and things evolve. And what was right or wrong 20 years ago, uh, or what was accepted 20 years ago would never be accepted now, even in the workplace. Um well so anyway, that's Yeah, that. you're
0: totally right. I mean, even the New York Times announced that in its obituary section it's going to start going back in time and, and identifying the influential and important women who passed away that were other that were just overrided simply because of their gender. I mean
1: Well, and you have to include if you don't include them then they didn't exist. And then their their um, efforts and their impact. Uh, is uh clouded or just again um ignored um or or it's attributed to something else so I think what's wonderful about what's happening is for the first time and and i think i'd like to think that handmade was a big a big part of the sort of the the many doors that were opening, but one that was you know kind of the linchpin in in opening um a broad spectrum of thought. And empowering women to speak, which I don't think they would really been empowered. I mean, obviously, I've withstood over time all kinds of stuff that I, I don't think I would today. I might have two years ago. Two years ago. What's
0: an example I- of that, Kari? I'd love to hear a personal story of how you maybe re- something something that did happen, say two years ago, that you're that you would have reacted to differently today, or just to give us a sort of behind the scenes look at, at even someone like you who we think has had just this real su- successful climb, of course, along the way you've dealt with cl- a lot of BS. Um, what's an example of that?
1: Well, you know, this is where it gets tricky, right? Because if I told you some of the examples, uh,
0: without naming names, maybe that'll help. <laughs> you know, but you know what? <laughs> it's, it's hard.
1: And this is the, this is the conundrum of all females. Yeah. Um, because you you can't be seen as being a disruptor uh, because if you are you then become you know a bit scary they, what if of, of, uh, if she outs this situation or if she if um, uh, she complains about this so what I've tended to do I think over time what I tended to do was learn how to ignore certain things like I had a, a case where a a woman on a, on a, um, uh, it was a situation where there was a lot of misogyny going on. And, um, I was to t- the most part, ignoring it and getting on with my business, even though I was tremendously irritated by it. Um, and, uh, well, actually I'll tell you an even funnier one after this. So the, the, one of the, um, uh, heads of the department of a department was a female and she came to me and said, Carrie, how are you standing this? Cause I'm having trouble. Uh, I'm having trouble getting through my day with with what's going on, and I said, well, you know uh and she told me her history and she was a single mother and and uh she needed the work and but she was um uh this is not the first time you know she sort of gave me her story of 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 uh problems with coping with um attitudes toward her in her in her position. And how to get past that and how not to let it affect her so much. And, and you know, funny enough, I was being affected just like she was because uh, while I was doing my thing, there was absolutely, um, you know, backhanded comments and and uh, the stuff that goes with all the undermining someone's, um, someone's uh, situation. And I didn't really know what to say to her other than muster on ignore and, and muster on because the only the the best uh the best I, I didn't I don't mean revenge, I mean the best uh success is success. And generally speaking, the people of of small minds like that, uh you know, two and three years later, I I've blown past them in my, you know, kind of eating my career dust. So I feel like that's been a strategy. The strat. But having said that, the strategy to to do nothing but but just hunker down and go doesn't necessarily change the needle. It might change how you know. might change my 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 place in the food chain, but I'm not sure it's effective enough. You know, have I done enough um, to to um, really uh, m- you know evoke a change? Now funny enough, another same in the last, you know, two or three years. So I, I, the reason I'm giving it a time frame is to say it is going on. It's not like this is five years ago. Uh, You know, this is in the last year, the last two years. Um, I was working on a project that shall remain nameless. And, uh, uh, the, the, um, uh, some of the folks involved were tremendously, um, uh, I guess abrasive, but also, uh, very, I w- didn't even acknowledge I have a huge body of work in, um, in action, you know, very male domain stuff. So, uh, I'm pretty good at wrestling action sequences to the ground and figuring out how to do them. And, and particularly if there's, um, problems on, on how best to achieve and, you know, um, I'm, i would like to think I'm uh, very solution oriented, Anyway, it was we noticed and the, team, the the crew which happened to be an all male crew was really behind me. I mean, all the heads of department were men and um uh and you know, we they were funny enough it was a crew out of England and uh they are Europeans tend to be much I have found to be uh much less misogynistic and and women in in the film community um, uh, you know, there's much more gender equality in terms of uh, how everyone's treated. In any case, um, so I, we, we laughed, we, we realized that every time I opened my mouth, it was as if I hadn't spoken. And literally down to my AD. Um, uh, so we decided, okay, the best way to, to get something through with the system is that we talk about it and we decide what we're going to do. And then I would let my male AD, my assistant director, um, he would be the one to present the idea because otherwise the, the the you know sort of white male bosses didn't hear me like literally just didn't hear me as if I hadn't spoken. So we laughed. So we we uh, went in and and um, sure enough we presented this idea and they said oh that's great and wow you know
0: <laughs> oh my god you thought of
1: that to the to the guy you know to my ad
0: and this wow, was just you, a, a year ago
1: about a year and a half ago. Um, you know, oh, so you thought of this, and he said, "Well, no, actually, Carney thought of this, and they looked at me like, "Well, that's just impossible <laughs> and then we moved on <laughs> so but it was just like a classic example of of um, um some people, but I had just as many for the for the two for the two or three you know guys who were uh trouble, I had just as many men backing me up. So I, I can tell you it's, it's, um, and you know, and the men, the men who were supporting me, uh, there was no kind of, um, there was absolutely no, uh, arrogance to their support. It was just an honest, great. You've got the job. You know, we we give you the respect of the position. Clearly, you know what you're doing. Uh, let's have a good laugh and enjoy ourselves. And, um, make some good film, uh, which is sort of how I tend to work. So all I'm saying is there are, you know, no matter what, there are also women who are sometimes um, not as, as uh, gender equal. You know, there's a lot of women mm-hmm. who undermine other women sometimes not necessarily knowingly. I don't know that it's conscious, but so it's, it's a, it's a thing that is out there. And, and, and well,
0: it's a resistance. And I mean, I think that, I think it was Hillary Clinton who even said in after the election, you know, she said, there is a resistance to allow women to rise. And it's not just a male resistance. It's a female resistance. We have been living in a patriarchy forever. And when you threaten that to even a little bit, uh, men and women become uncomfortable sometimes. And it's not an excuse, but it is just how a lot of times we get. Hardwired, socially conditioned, you know, we feel like th- that we're used to a certain life, certain parameters, certain way of doing things, certain way of listening, like seeing the world through the male lens has become the norm, unfortunately. And when you disrupt that, some people will get really excited about it and others will get scared because it will disrupt their sense of normalcy. And it, and I, I, it's it's fascinating because you don't think a woman would be threatened by that. Maybe she would feel liberated by that. But that yet is still what is happening, I think, at the heart of it. That's my opinion. And I think it's shared by a lot of people. Um, and in fact, your story about having a male take on your voice at work to be more effective has happened in other industries too. We've there, I mean, it's made news where two female founders in negotiating with a vendor um, posed as men in their emails and were much more successful in negotiating versus uh, being themselves. Um, you had a great article in Forbes, Kari, that I just loved every, every word in it. Everyone should check it out. And the interviewer is asking you about how to make an impact in a field that is still dominated by men, both you know behind and in front of the camera. And you ta- you told her, which you sort of elaborated on right now, is that you have to not sweat it, just do good work, take risks. You you also said though that don't do anything for the money because you'll be disappointed. I wanted to follow up and ask you more about that. Can you expand on that a little bit? What do you mean by don't do anything for the money?
1: Well, listen, um, uh, we all have to raise families and we all have, many of us are breadwinners, um, or single mothers or whatever. Um, it is that we're struggling financially to maintain, um, you know, a life or a lifestyle. So it's not like you always have the choice, and sometimes you do take on projects for the money because you think, well, okay, I'll do this, and then that'll get me over this hump, and and um, uh, or you simply don't have choice, you know, and so you have to take the project or or um, uh, whatever it is uh, for a paycheck. At the end of the day, though, um, I have found every time I've done that, it's somewhere it's somehow gone sideways. I actually haven't moved forward. I've moved either backwards and the money has not compensated for the the loss of time or, or the, the, you know, the, the tarring and feathering you get as a result of, um, because often the money comes with, you know, some choice, right? (laughs) Like you're either polishing a turd or you, uh, you're, um, there's, you know, a <laughs> there's a
0: trade-off.
1: a trade-off. You're dealing with people that aren't very good, you know, aren't nice. Uh, one of the big things is I think the best advice I got from actually a gentleman that um, I often call when I'm facing something tricky, and I'll call him as my mentor, and he said, you know, the most important thing is to work with elegant people. And I thought that was a beautiful way of putting how to choose how to, how to look at a project and is it worth the time and effort that you're going to put into it? Cause let's assume that for every, you know, on the freelance market, but even in, in, uh, in, um, you know, a sort of paid position where you're on a contract basis, you're still going to give it your best. The assumption is you're going to, you know, there'll be a lot of extra hours, a lot of sacrificing, um, and a lot of, um, uh, yourself put into it. So that's your life. That's your life effort, blood, um, spirit, whatever you want to call it, going into something. So you got to make sure you're investing that really well. And if you're investing it in a project that is just for the money, the money ends up oddly not being enough. You get fired. You the the job is just never going to get past what it is. You can't pull it out of its out of its terrible place. You, you're working with people that make you feel bad, you know, whatever it is, it's, it's not why you do what you do. So I think every time I've done that, I have regretted it and thought I just wasted some very precious time. So you can't be blinded by the money. Having said that, obviously everyone has to consider the money. So it's always a, a, um, little dance one does with you, you know, with yourself in your own head, as to, is that what this really is? Can I really, you know, is this good people with, you know, am I going to starve? But w- good work begets good work. And so somehow out of something that might be, you make no money on it's it's sweat equity, which I do a lot of, out of that comes, you know, the rest of so the money. I think what I've decided to trust is that the money takes care of itself somehow. If you just continue to focus on on the people you work with and the and the good you know the, the caliber of work that you are churning out, the rest kind of takes care of itself
0: in the sense that it you will get paid well for the work that you do, although I believe everything you just said, and I actually wrote down uh, the importance of uh, working with elegant people i I love that. I have heard in recent weeks and months with the whole Me Too movement and Time's Up that some female creators and performers believe that money is actually what gives them agency, this ability to walk away from a threatening situation at work, to say no to jobs that they feel degrades them, having a nest egg. And that doesn't always, it's like sort of, you know, what comes first, the job or the money. But I will say that having savings or having a stream of income that is steady gives particularly women agency and a much needed power to say no in an industry that sometimes wants to compromise them. So how do you how do you react to that? Because I do you think that's true first of all? And and so what would and what would be your advice to somebody who's maybe just starting out and is is grappling with, well, do I do work that I can do to build a nest egg and then I can be more selective or do I just try to find a way to, you know, work do meaningful work that is respectful of me, even though it may not be the best paycheck at the end of the day.
1: Well, I think you have to. Um, uh, it's it's a constant balance, and you're not always in balance. Um, you know, I support my family, and so, uh, and I want to give my family um, a real adventure in life, and um, so I'm very conscious of. I'm conscious of what money represents because I, I grew up with a single mother who, um, uh, supported, you know, had to support two young kids and, uh, watched the stresses and struggles of what that was. And, uh, I experienced, you know, being really struggling for, um, uh, you know, uh, we were economically very challenged, which. Taught me a lot, but also made me one respect money, but two fearful of not having money. And I think as I become a little bit older, maybe more established, so I feel less vulnerable and and settled. I'm actually a little bit. I'm I'm loosening up my my grip, my you know sort of chokehold on money, because actually time is more precious. Uh, money you can money can come and go, and it, I don't mean to sound cavalier. I, I'm obviously very careful with my money, and I'm I know how to I know how to save, and I know how to scrimp, and um, and I have had to do it many times, and give my kids the uh, stuff, and then sacrifice for myself uh, so that they have you know something that I've, um, I sort of live vicariously sometimes. Um, which is a a stress, a stretch perhaps financially, but I think time and experience, um, are so much more valuable and we don't value them as much. So I watch, um, people, uh, in the same way make choices about their economic health over their, their, I want to say spiritual or emotional health. In other words, if you get up every morning and you're making a big paycheck, but you absolutely hate what you're doing or hate what you're churning out or, you know, then I think that's not only unhealthy, um, that money you, you, you have a, a distance from the money. It's, you're not earning it the same way and yet, or you're not earning it from a place of, of, um, feeling like you and the money are, are in on the same wavelength. So I think you, you, um, that money's kind of toxic when you're doing something, even for a small paycheck that you love to do, and you're working with people who you love to be around. um, You are so much more engaged with the planet and with your own future and who you are and what mountains you can move as a result uh, that taking less money um, doesn't feel like you are sacrificing on the money side. And funny enough, it leads to projects or opportunities that are still with elegant people that give you more money, you know? So if, so, or at least that's been my experience. So I've had my good years and my bad years and, and I, I, um, you know, I know it's cyclical and I try not to be afraid when I'm in the bad years or the, or I, you know, the projects aren't coming or, something has happened, um, where I've got a, a big gap between paychecks and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I've got, you know, school bills and, and, uh, the various things that I've committed to, um, mortgages and stuff to deal with. I just kind of trust that, okay, something will happen. The, the, the bottom's not going to fall out. And, um, I and keep up the good work. Now, you know that's easy for me to say because I've been building towards this for a while. So when you're starting out, um, of course, it's it's a little scarier because you you're not falling back on a, on a body of work or um, or a, a you know a resume that is um, galvanized and therefore you know uh, propelling you forward. What I can say though is, work begets work, so be careful what you do. Yeah. So if you,
0: if You're only you, as good as your last project. <laughs> so if you take a
1: project for the money, but it tarnishes your your what you who you are, it may cost you more than it's giving you in the long run. So that's the calibration of every decision you have to make. Is this, yes, I'm going to get a paycheck, but actually, am I going to get a paycheck after I do this job because I've worked with inelegant people who are going to badmouth me mm, yeah. and I'm going to have a product that, that didn't couldn't work from the beginning and I'm going to, you know, uh, right? So you have to really, it's, it's hard.
0: hard. It's hard to assess that from the beginning, right? You may enter a project having all the highest of hopes and everyone is on their best behavior, but then they reveal themselves and the project reveals itself a little too late. I've had that happen to me where I've taken on a project. I was sort of blinded by the the glitz and glamour of the prospect of this project taking off and being really great for my career and although I had I always walk away trying to Extract the positive and take away the positive, but I don't think I'll ever work with these people again. And I think the feeling is mutual, and I don't like that feeling. And I wouldn't have known it going in. It was just sort of once you're in a boilerplate, you know, situation, and, and I think making a movie or and a lot of projects are very stressful and and you know high stakes, a lot of money at stake. Um, you know, it's hard to stay elegant. <laughs> Sometimes.
1: Yeah, listen, no, listen, up, believe me, I know. And it's also hard. Uh, uh, obviously, vanity comes in there, too, and you have to really uh, uh, evaluate who's right and who's wrong in a situation. Has, has your own ego taken hold in a way that's not positive? Uh, I also, several projects that I've been involved in, I got involved at a time when it was one thing and then it morphed and changed or certain people got involved. And it became much more toxic and, and you can't walk away. You are, you're, you know, you're, you're involved, you're in, um, you know, uh, I think, um, you're, you're constantly evaluating, well, what is the, now that it's changed, is it, is it good? No, it's not good, but I can't just walk away because I'm, I'm, there's too much at stake now. I'm, I'm, I'm a, a lead player in bringing this to the screen. So then how do you turn that around? Sometimes you just can't. I've decided you yeah. just can't. But it will come around and bite you in the butt. You're still stuck mm. with the okay,
0: huh. You still made your own bed, yeah. yeah, but, yeah exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: So, then, then, But you know what? The 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 best, Um, you, you look at these situations, and I think how you look at them is you turn them around and you go, this has become that that person perhaps this toxic person has just become my best teacher. Mhm. Yes. That's the and this situation has just become my university for. You know, so you walk away realizing that actually in the grand scheme of things you're so much stronger for having gone through whatever it was. Um and as a result coming out of that you're ready for the next challenge in with so much more um you know, ground behind you uh an experience, I think those are what those situations are there for.
0: That's a great way to put at it. That's a great perspective. Uh this question comes to us from our great sponsor, Chase Slate. They want to know, and I want to know, what is something, a big ticket something that you are saving up for, Kari, currently?
1: Well <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I'm just trying to keep up with the horse payments. (laughs) We have a wonderful horse for my daughter. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, So I'm constantly, I think, uh, I'm always chasing that a little bit. Um, I think part of me, uh, is saving up for a second resident, residency in an exotic country. Like I, I'm always real estate shopping and and looking for, so I'm in London, I'm working in London right at the moment and I feel like, um, there's some, just one, one London is a wonderful place, and uh so I, of course i'm I'm looking at the pro and of course it's stupidly expensive oh, so so
0: expensive you oh. can't even eat lunch in, in London it's too exactly
1: much. so i guess i'm uh you know I'm looking at the apartments available or the houses or the the areas and thinking ah, the fl nice yeah. to have uh the ability to put some money down on something like that so um I, that's my little fantasy.
0: Well, it's good to diversify. <laughs> you know, We've got some real estate here expanded overseas. Before I let you go, Kari, I would love to do some So Money fill in the blanks. This is uh, also fun. Just f- fill in the sentence and it, we'll start here. If I won the lottery tomorrow, the first thing I would do is...
1: Well, wow. I, you know, I don't know. I guess I would, um, I think I would probably put the family together and go somewhere wonderful and exotic, maybe in our own private jet, Ooh. Uh, and just enjoy each other for as long as we could stand to, uh, <laughs> to uh,
0: A week? <laughs> oh, and you'd buy that apartment in or house in london or the uk yeah. that's obviously yeah. on the, the that would be list. Exactly on the list
1: um and or investing in one of my 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 older daughter is uh heavily involved in some of her own shows now and i guess i could i could get one of those off the ground and um so yeah i, get, I now now that you're opening that door i'm thinking of all the many things i could do
0: <laughs> yes lots of potential all right one thing i spend on that makes my life easier or better is Travel. Yeah. Are you, um, I just interviewed a, a very wealthy entrepreneur who said she never t- uh, flies first class. She prefers economy. I couldn't wrap my head around that. Tell me what, how do you travel?
1: Well, I travel a lot. Uh, I travel business. I don't, I mean, first is is um, a rare, uh, they're not even, it's not even available on the flights, but um, I travel an awful lot. So I have Recognize it, and I have to land and be able to, um, you know, perform in one form or another. Walk into a meeting ready to go, or so I find the 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 way to travel and take the stress because travel is actually quite stressful. So a bit of comfort, creature comforts, uh, have become quite important to me, and um, uh, because I literally am in a plane you know, two times a month on some long haul flights because I work a lot in Europe and and or Los Angeles. And uh, I'm often in four or five hour plane rides. Um, I find that little luxury uh, makes, greases the wheels so much for me. I don't enjoy the, the money saved uh, on the economy side. Having said that, um, if my entire family is flying and it's going to kill me financially, then we often Hunker down, and uh, I, you know I, I fly economy uh, if if it's a really big ticket
0: <laughs> I love it. it's yes, yeah, it makes sense. <laughs> that makes sense, all right, how about this? One thing I wish I had learned about money growing up is I think
1: I wish i learned earlier not to revere it quite so much um, i I think, as I said before, time um, and experience is more important and one of the things that my uh father taught me um his sort of mantra was better better to have lived like a king for a day than never to have lived like a king at all and i think there's some wisdom in that there's you know obviously one can't be foolhardy and drive lose your house and lose your life so you have to you have to be um uh, diligent about um making sure you're living a safe existence but I think you can um recognize where family and experience those little those little luxuries that, that make it something special uh and memorable. Because certainly as a parent, you're creating memories for your children. That becomes I think more important than the, the oh let's not do that because we need to save the money. Um so wherever possible I try to be a little bit extravagant here and there,
0: right? I think what you said about assessing value is so important because yes, you can save X dollars by doing something a certain way, but is it of greater value than than what you're losing on the other side as a result of of cutting corners or or doing it on the cheap? And um, it's an important kind of calculation to always be having in the back of our minds. as we make all sorts of financial decisions, and how about this one? when I donate, I like to give to blank because
1: Uh, I like to give, um, well places that um, serve people on the street, mental health uh, issues so um, I tend to, you know, feeding, making sure that uh, housing and and food basically um, for people on the street is where I tend to donate and things to do with children um, in foreign countries, uh, where the, you know where children aren't as um, protected yes. as some of the North American or Westernized kids, so that but particularly mental health issues, I think that's where we're lacking, and it's very and it's not giving money to people on the street because often um, at that point they're on, they're potentially their own worst enemies. It's really. To give uh, where they're going to be safe and, uh, you know, to try and um, – so some place where they can be warm and be fed is a more effective way to spend that money than to give it to them directly where it, they might make an unwise choice.
0: Hmm. All right. And last but not least, I'm Kari Skoglin. I'm so money because
1: – I'm so money because – I hope that I'm finding a rich, balanced life that is going to be effective, make a difference, move the needle, and um, leave a legacy.
0: Well, your work is certainly moving the needle. Thank you so much. Handmaid's Tale released today, second season on Hulu. We look forward to that. And um, best wishes to you, Kari. I really appreciate you coming on the show and and being you. Thank you so much. Oh,
1: am I? Pleasure, and it was great meeting you, and uh, best of luck. I hope our paths cross again soon.
0: Likewise. Thank you. The Handmaid's Still Season 2 again premieres today on Hulu, and we have all the links back at SoMoneyPodcast.com to learn more about Kari's company, Mad Rabbit. Kari is also on Twitter at Kari Scogland. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Happy watching, and I hope your day is so money.